0: If you enjoy what we do and would like to hear more, you can find the portal to all of our content at BeholdRP.com. That's B-E-H-O-L-D-R-P.com. Thank you for listening, and enjoy the show.
1: Uh, hi, guys. Hi. <laughs> Welcome to uh, the next episode of Behold Lore. I'm your hostess, Zora from 3 I'm here with my wonderful lore masters, RogenQuest, and HB Fox. Uh, we are, I'm sure, all hot right now. So excuse the the sound of fans and everything in the background right now. So I've, hopefully I've got my
2: personal out. air conditioner running in my room.
1: <laughs> oh, see, there you go. I have to make it just a, so it's more bearable for you guys. At least. It, yeah, it, it's bearable.
2: <laughs> my computer isn't going to explode because, you know, heat.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's so it's not
2: good. It, it's not <laughs> too bad in Southern California right now. It's only like 87
1: which is weird because california is always the hot state we're like 100 degrees right now so it's like
2: yeah fingers crossed we haven't had any hundred degree days yet we've gotten close we've got like 95 96 but we haven't really had any 100 degree days where i'm at
0: i uh measured the temperature in the shade earlier today and it was 117.3
2: jesus yeah and that's Fahrenheit, right that's That's not celsius
0: yeah it was celsius um you just see a whole bunch of fire on my
2: camera right
1: now. <laughs> <laughs> it's hot. Don't get outside. Fox, uh,
2: uh, fox broadcasting from the surface of the sun.
1: Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, speaking of hot, uh, the subject today is homebrew races. So we're going to be talking about that today. So uh, we will be answering questions like we usually do. Uh, the second half of the of the podcast, but we won't have a guest this time around. So it's just the three of us, all, all three lovely people. So we're gonna start off with Rojan because Rojan being our primary dungeon master who comes up with a bunch of the different homebrew races such as the shark folk, technically raccoon. So we don't see raccoon walking around. Again, for those of you who don't know, he's our legendary gift giver. Uh, every time people generously donate towards Extra Life through our channel. So uh, always a fun one-of-a-kind race, technically. We never really met another raccoons, so he's unique. Plus many, many other races that we've come across. So, Rojan, do you have, like, a list of all the different races that you have created up to now?
2: A, uh, yeah, I have, I have a list of the races that... Um... ...are currently in the Campaign 2 area. Um, there are some that you guys have, like, come really close to running into, but... ...go the other direction so you never have encountered them before. Um, and... and, but there is a race... ...that was created... ...episode zero. Um... ...on a certain island... Oh, what?! ...in the... in the world uh that was made by the community this wasn't me uh and that's the sen- the sentient puffins on the island of tortiga
1: oh i forgot about that
2: um and just as a little teaser you if all goes according to plan and drama does not ensue on tuesday you may be running into said puffins
1: Is that going to be part of our beach
2: day? That is the beach episode.
1: Yeah! Puffins!
2: (laughs) Uh, Tortiga is a pretty much a resort island. It's very very small and it's off off one of the the shores of uh, like uh, Helios and Hellion's Gate. And it's just this little resort island. Ooh,
1: that'll be exciting. That's
2: just a couple days away so
1: that'll
2: be fun. So that so so I have I I've had that area planned for the longest time. And you guys have gotten so close to like just deciding to go to Tortuga and you've never done it. So
1: We do that a lot.
2: Now that you have a ship that can take you literally anywhere, you'll finally get to go to the uh the beach resort and there'll be no Gary or anything like that.
1: Oh thank God. Thank God. Uh, yeah because that, that was that was a creepy last beach right. episode we had <laughs>
2: There, there is I will say also a race of sort of slime people that exist somewhere in the world oozes uh,
1: oozes going
2: around they're oozes but they have the ability to uh, maintain like a humanoid shape
1: oh now I'm getting yeah. the water people vibe from uh, Futurama
2: <laughs> yeah, kind of like that. Kind of <laughs> like that are kind of like the, uh, like the humanoid slime monsters that uh, people put into some of their like RPGs and whatnot.
1: Oh, creepy! Well, that could be fun. Now, because we mentioned it just a moment ago, is is Gary made up or is he an actual creature?
2: No, Gary. Gary is something I made up. Gary was just like, oh, you know what? It'd be cool to have you know this, uh, this cult dedicated to the strange. Flying, toothy being that uh, seems to enthral people's minds by reading random books. So yeah, Gary Gary was a uh, Gary was just a spur of the moment creation on your guys's first beach episode.
1: What What does he look like? Are we allowed to know?
2: You guys, you guys have only seen his avatar, which is that giant floating eyeball with teeth which i got yes the idea which i got the like the premise the idea from uh terraria with the uh the eye of cthulhu which is a giant eyeball that you know can open up the this giant toothy maw so you've you've only seen his avatar you haven't actually run in no no i'm wrong you guys we've seen like these
1: shadow children sort of
2: that's not gary that's not Gary. Oh
1: no. You guys have
2: actually <laughs> You guys have actually sat down and talked with the actual Gary before. When? <laughs> Sometime in your adventures. Son of
1: a fish. Alright, we can't campaign two ends, I wanna know. Gary. Nope.
2: Oh.
0: Who
1: was Gary?
0: No. You, you you, I I just asked if we knew it was Gary and clearly we didn't.
1: Oh. No. It's what's his face h- hanging out on the boat with us the
0: whole time.
2: No. <laughs> no, it's he, not Noel.
0: He's some other motherfucker.
2: Yeah. <laughs> no is something completely different. Null is pretty much my Q. And
1: Noel, he's made up too. Isn't he like what he is?
2: Um, yeah, sort of? Null Noel, Noel originally started off as a type uh a subtype of goblin that had the ability to just like mess with, uh, space and time and, um, probability. And then I just started spinning him off, like, started shaping him a little bit more as we went through campaign one.
1: okay. So we have, wow, so we have several already that we've just mentioned, including, we have shark folk, we Mm -hmm. definitely even have some, some variants, um, slight variants, but they're still there. Uh, for instance, HB Fox made a PDF of the different types of gnolls variations that you can make since there's technically one that sort of exists and it's not even really a playable race per se through uh, Witches of the Coast, more of just like the monsters versions of them. But you've come up with some Fun variants
0: for them. I think there's like desert and even some winter gnolls, isn't there? I think. Yeah. Uh, so the with the PDF that I put out, um, based on some testing that I did with Zael in Campaign Two, I ended up with four um, sub races of gnoll. One of them is what you see in the Gnoll Way Out campaign and what Keo is as well, which is a, a desert gnoll. I think pretty self-explanatory. They live in the desert um then you have the frost knolls which were actually inspired by uh, a I believe it was prehistoric race uh or species of hyena that actually lived in the northern hemisphere When there was a land bridge between what is now Russia and what is now North America, Mm -hmm. that's where they lived, Uh, and they had lighter coats. Um, They were very large, and that's what this frost knoll subrace is based on. They're typically uh, white-furred, large, uh, sturdy knolls. And then you've got the knoll stalker, which is just kind of if you don't want a region-specific knoll, that's the one you're wanting you're going to want to go with and then there's also no leader which is going to be your um, matriarchs or your hunting party leaders your warband leaders that type of thing and those all came out of playing zale in campaign 2
1: very nice and we have and I don't know how much you want to reveal of course I I know it's a little hush hush right now because of campaign 3 uh, around the corner, but you are making up a race for that as well, uh yes. known as the Valkyrie race. Yeah. Uh, do you wanna give us any insight on what those are all about?
0: Yeah, I think I could talk about that a little bit. um it is subject su- subject to change as that campaign goes on. Obviously, it hasn't been play tested yet, so once it has been play tested, adjustments may be made. but the Valkyrie is essentially the hitman of the celestials, um, because celestials are often depicted as these holy, righteous, good beings. But the problem with celestials is many of them think that their word and their ruling is law and anything beyond that is unacceptable and got to get rid of it. But, of course, they also have to follow their own laws, so they can't just go around killing people. So who do they turn to when they need something or someone eliminated? Well, that's what the Valkyrie are for. They send these Valkyrie out to essentially do their dirty work, and then they punish the Valkyrie for it. Uh, Because they have now broken the Celestial laws, even though it was a direct order from the Celestials, It's just what they do up there. They're kind of jerks. Um, I mean,
1: everyone is. Yeah. Let's be
0: honest. So I thought, how would a Valkyrie end up on the material plane? And I got to thinking about how the whole uh, lore behind the Asmars worked. So I decided to essentially make a, a material plane Valkyrie an Asmar of the Asmars. So an Asimar an is born, like, one in a million pairing of any Material Plane race. So what if you took mm-hmm. two Asimars and had them uh, have a child, and what would be the one in a million of an Asimar's child? And that's what the Material Plane Valkyries are.
1: Oh, okay, so if, if I understand correctly, the Valkyrie are... Uh, to put it in religious terms, they're kind of the archangels of the, kind the of, celestial yeah. realm.
0: Yeah, yeah. The, the I,
1: punishers and and all that—the warrior, yeah. type um, race.
0: I wanted to draw a lot on the um, real world lore of like the seraphim and and yes. such, and also the real world lore of uh, like the Nordic Valkyries and stuff, and can kind of combine yeah. those things together, and that's. What became this warrior celestial that is the Valkyrie?
1: Yeah, because the second you say Valkyrie, I mean everyone knows that your first thought is going to be kind of the the Norse yeah. mythology of these warrior females that are just badass.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <angelic> and
1: badasses.
0: <laughs> that uh, that's one aspect that I pulled from the Nordic Valkyrie as well. That I'm still kind of iffy about it, um, but currently, with the way that I have the Valkyrie worked, it is a female only race, just like the, the right. Nordic Valkyries are. Uh, right. I'm I'm always a little iffy about making something locked in that way, but I'll play it, see how it feels, and go from there.
1: I mean, when you think about it, anyone who knows anything about mythology, uh, Valkyries are always female. Yeah. So to, to make it female only... Makes sense, yeah, in that aspect because they're they're always female. But do they have certain characteristics like the Valkyries, such as wings?
0: They do. Um, So, I wanted to step away from just here's wings. You have a thirty foot flight to be done. Uh, I wanted to do something different from that because it's been done a thousand times over in D&D, uh, in their various races. So I gave the Valkyrie a different type of wing. It's still the, the white feathered celestial wing that you'd think of. Uh, but rather than like sprouting from their shoulder blades, they're lower down on the back and they are long, thin wings. And rather than being used for continuous flight, they're more used for bursts of speed in battle. So oh. they can fly with them. But the the ability that I gave them essentially gives them a limited amount of flight. And if they try to exceed that time limit, they have to start making saves, or they begin to fall to the ground. Or they may even damage oh. their wings. Um, and one of the things that I also did with the Valkyrie is as they age, they kind of evolve depending on the choices and stuff that they've made so their physical features can change and one of those changes could be uh their wings they could sprout additional pairs of wings uh, i think up to even like six wings in total where you see that those classical depictions of these like um archangels with all mm-hmm. of these wings spread out from around them that's like what so a final old, fantasy i love ancient it ancient <laughs> valkyrie could look like they don't have to i mean it's entirely up to the player how they want to change the physical appearance of their right. character but i wanted to put those options in there for that physical change because that's something that i wanted the valkyrie race to reflect is the the choices of the players and the characters themselves
1: So if they make bad choices, like evil, sinful kind of choices, do more... I don't want to necessarily say grotesque, but more uh, less angelic features, let's say.
0: Yeah, so if you're playing a Valkyrie and you're kind of like walking the line between good and evil, you may find that your feathers start to turn from that bright, brilliant white to kind of a muted gray type of color. Or that halo of light that's shimmering around your your head turns from that nice bright celestial yellow to a, a kind of whitish color. Or if you decide to go like full-on evil, maybe your feathers turn to a black color. And maybe your halo goes from yellow to red. It, it could be anything along those lines, but as you make these choices as a Valkyrie, Your physical appearance will change to essentially show everybody what you actually are. So
1: There's no hiding it. No hiding
0: it
2: whatsoever,
0: (laughs) except maybe beneath a large witch hat. (laughs)
1: There you go. Uh huh. Uh, (laughs) Speaking
2: of Valkyrie, there, I have made a uh, NPC Valkyrie for campaign three.
1: Very nice. nice. Mixed it uh, up.
2: Who is uh? maybe somebody you come across a bit.
1: We don't veer off like we usually do.
2: <laughs> oh, no, no, it's like, I expect you all to veer off no matter what.
1: Like we do. <laughs> yeah, and we have, um, so just, just to kind of shift a little bit, because of course there's there's more that Fox has made, but going back, um, what, what are some of your, your favorite races that you've made, Rogan? that we've either seen or not seen or have been in
2: past campaigns um I'm really sad you still haven't like actually experienced them because the Hakarl the uh the shark people like yes, I have yes. a full like society for that designed for them on how they operate and you know their their affinity for magic and you know, everything like that and nobody's gone to the bottom of the sea
1: ash has the poor, really the wanted poor, to go
2: the poor shark people which are like if you look at it they can they can range from looking like typical street sharks right to being a little more humanoid to where they've got like the human features but still they've got they've got like the, the grayish blue skin and the gills and everything it just all depends on uh that certain uh that certain shark person's heritage if they have more human blood in them or if they're more shark. Um that's
1: cool.
2: Yeah and, and then they in the way that they get around uh underwater aside from swimming um is they have these giant like manta ray like mounts that they use to traverse the sea themselves instead of having to use a boat or anything like that they at birth are given a like a one of these manta ray like hatchlings that they raise and uh grow with each other. So it's kind of like this little bond that they have with one another.
1: that well, makes it more depressing if one of them dies.
0: It, it, it's like the um airbenders and the, the air bison. They're, yeah. they're <gasps> given one when yep. they're just yeah. a child. I love that. That's awesome.
2: Yeah and, and like yeah. the uh they can grow to like astronomical size. It, it, it's like if it reaches like full on maturity, it's the size of a small whale.
0: Would you oh, say geez. it's the size of maybe a dire flat flat?
2: Oh, they a would dire be dire flat
1: flat.
0: <laughs>
2: I think they're a bit <laughs> bigger than a dire flat flat. Oh my! I think a fully a, a fully matured uh, a full, uh, like a fully matured one of these mounts is probably. Uh, yeah, it's probably bigger than the dire flat flat. I love that callback. <laughs> that we never got to see.
1: <laughs> no, no, but we, we were clever enough to get away while we
2: Yeah. Uh <laughs> That being said, they are in campaign three. They are an available Yay. race if anybody wants to play them.
1: I was actually just gonna ask for anyone who potentially wants to play one, uh are you going to create a pdf or some sort of I file have, format for us to look at I have
2: the format all written up I just need to post it on online but yes nice. if it, like the uh the Hakara will be a playable race in campaign 3 because there is like a large body of water that surrounds both of the islands
1: yeah so we have the, the shark folk I remember when Ash made friends with them she was just like I, I both her and me as the player was like, I really want to check out these shark people because being a marine biologist enthusiast, I was like, I love sharks. And of course, being a child of the nineties, you know, love street sharks and everything. So I'm just like, shark bay ball. (laughs) So if we don't get to see them, that's really unfortunate, but I'm really glad you're rolling them over. So we have a chance to kind of interact with them a lot more, which will...
2: Yeah, I want to see somebody play a street shark. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I don't want to. I might, I mean, I have a really cool backup character, but I might, now that you say that, I might go with a shark person. I'm not sure. We'll have to see how that that pans out. But that's in the future. That's all good. <laughs> um, so just shifting a little bit with uh, kind of going back to Raccoon, what was your inspiration for Raccoon? Were you just like, mm, trash mammal that family gives gifts? Like, what, what was your inspiration for creating the
2: raccoon honestly I was on Twitter one day and I was trying to figure out how exactly like I can bring into like some sort of like celestial being into give you all gifts and whatnot when that 100 was rolled or as it progressed into being an extra life donation and I just stumbled upon this uh this image of a of a raccoon in a like in a Santa hat and I'm like okay there we go raccoon <laughs> Didn't, get, didn't give it a name or anything like that it's just the raccoon because yep he's legitimately just a raccoon that's for some sort of reason has godlike abilities and meta creativity and can just create things for wh- whoever
1: yeah and that's uh that's kind of the fun of the mystery which is cool because we got to see a little bit more of what he's all about in the mr raccoon comes to town one shot where Those were all custom classes as Mm -hmm. well with them kind of integrating with the raccoon, for instance, any of the clerics, warlocks, anything. It's like the raccoon bestowed those gifts and spells upon them. Uh, Now, is that a normal thing? Like, are kobolds usually kind of like his minions that do his bidding or was that just for funsies for us to torment you?
2: That was for funsies because everybody wanted to play kobolds. So I'm like, okay, cool. Kobolds are like a, a choice set of kobolds are like his elves. I mean, it's, um,
1: it was pretty funny. I, I was pretty happy with that outcome.
2: What I'm trying to do is I am actually trying to develop a Warlock Pact for Raccoon to bring in the Pact of Joy from the campaign that we did. Uh, not the campaign, but the one-shot, and then bring it in as, like, into full fold.
0: That would be awesome. That would be awesome. See, uh, nearly enough good Warlocks in yeah. campaigns, so yeah. that would be
2: great. Yeah, because because yeah. I'm I because it's like I'm trying to, it's like yeah you're gonna have Eldritch Blast and stuff like that, like every other Warlock, but the uh, the packed features is what I'm trying to flesh out because I know there are a couple people in uh in the in the cast who would probably want to do some sort of raccoon tutelage in the future spreading
1: the joy that'd be a very happy character <laughs> very sweet character it's yeah. gonna be tormented
2: and because because yeah like defiled. like, like HB Fox said like most of the warlocks they're not happy it's all like some dark pact with either some like cthulhu like being or you made it with a devil i think there's what about like popper okay popper again it, it popper is that special instance no no he's not i know his backstory
1: <laughs> oh, you do? Oh. But he's so, well, from someone who doesn't know his backstory, it's like, yeah, it's a gelatinous cube, but he's so happy and he cracks jokes. He's a fun-loving penguin with a top hat and monocle. Who wouldn't love that? Little do yeah.
2: you know. Because I think the, like, out of all the core ones, the only the only one that seems to have it like a sort of, quote-unquote, good pact is uh, the Celestial Bond. Is the Celestial Pact, and it's true. even then it's questionable it's questionable at best so it's like yeah. I'm, try- I'm trying to make i'm trying to make that light-hearted w- w- warlock pact for people who uh, for like characters who still want that you know awesome warlock power but have the ability to use it to spread joy instead of chaos
1: yeah that that'd be fun what about um for like clerics would you think about doing that for clerics as well or is that a little too Just because of the crazy ass spells
2: i i'm i'm same thing i is it's like i'm struggling with the clerics i because when i when i made the when i made the clerics for um for the holiday campaign for the one shot it was like okay yeah the, the, some of the stuff that i'm given this class is a little overpowered but it's not really meant to be a serious campaign it's just meant to be fun it's yeah. meant to be a little off the wall. So I really didn't yeah. I really didn't care if it broke a lot of things because this wasn't supposed to be some overarching campaign. It was just to be like a little holiday special to have fun with. Yeah. But like to bring it into like the full fold of a full like campaign three, campaign four, whatever, it needs some serious tweaking because if not at That's higher her. levels, it will be super broken.
0: I thought you did a really good job with the... Um... Bard stuff. It was just unfortunate yeah. that it was a passive. Yeah, I so was. I, didn't get to I use was
2: any of it. so. I was so yeah. mad that you didn't. That you didn't. Uh, your your uh, bard wasn't like a Kel- Carol or something like that. It was just somebody who didn't well, want to do anything mean. And
1: what what sucks about that though is that I think it would have been so much fun to just do a parody of some sort with with the normal songs, the the holiday songs. But because of DMCA, yep. you know, raining on everyone's parade, unless you make up something completely crazy that has nothing to do with any known song, which is sometimes hard in the moment when you just yeah. have an inspiration to do
0: a particular
2: song. Well, see, that's and, why yeah. that, that's why I don't require anybody to sing anything.
0: That um, that was my original plan with that character was to do that sort of thing. It's why she had a, a ukulele. And why I had my own ukulele ready to go, but it was like right before we did that one shot, is when all the DMCA stuff started to really hit hard. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, scrap that idea, let's do something else. And I ended up just playing a pacifist
1: because it's unfortunate. Because anyone who wants to stream, I mean, aside from some sites who actually have permission to use copyright songs, is that you're kind of you can't really do anything with your freedom to do that. It's all like, you. Oh, I'm just going to play my banjo or something, or I'm just going to be like, high five, buddy, inspiration. It's like, oh, well, you can't really mm-hmm. kind of limit on having fun when you stream it. Of course, off stream, you do whatever the hell you want, because that's crazy freedom right there, but still, it was a fun idea, and I, I really liked how you did play her with the limitations that we unfortunately had to have, but but you did come up with a lot of really cool stuff for the, the holiday-themed homebrew it, class types. So that it, was it fun. It was a
0: lot of fun to uh, try to play a character that just didn't fight in any way whatsoever.
2: And then got broken because she and healed her broken. friend and he died. Yeah. Yeah, that was <laughs> which,
1: which was hilarious because the one person that got possessed to turn on the party had no attack spells. And that was...
0: Fantastic! <laughs> like, was, yeah, we're not uh, screwed by the bars. Not expecting trauma <laughs> in a
2: Christmas one shot. Yeah. You should always expect trauma in a quick Christmas story. Yeah.
1: That's true. Look at a Christmas Carol. Crazy shit happens in there. <laughs> uh. So so shifting over back to you, Fox. You have a theme. It is always some sort of feathered, super fast race. So now you have. Callie from the Withered Waste campaign that is playing another bird-like race that has super crazy stupid speed. What was your inspiration for that race?
0: So, Callie um, and the race that she is, the Hargraven, um, I created that race before I knew what class Callie was going to be. And when I chose Monk for her, I didn't even think about the extra like speed boosts and stuff it all just kind of came together and worked out to be uh-huh. really
2: ridiculous <laughs> and i love it.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah
2: like like um, with the with the speed that she moves i'm just like tempted to just to make her feathers blue. Sanic. Sanic.
0: Um, yeah. <laughs> so the the Hargraven are i think so far the race that i've had the most fun creating. And inspiration has been pulled from all kinds of different birds it, out here in the real world for creating that race. And D and D has a lot of bird races already. Um, if you're counting stuff like from Kobold Press and all that, uh, you've, yeah, I mean you've got your kanku, you've got your aracocra, your your raven folk, and uh, there are a couple others popper technically he's a penguin kind of a bird Um, so I wanted to initially create a bird race that didn't have anything to do with flying didn't have anything to do with the air and so I started to look at the birds in the real world that are grounded Um, ostriches were one of them ostriches (laughs) and, and emus they are not ostrich people Not ostrich people say that to their face, and they're gonna get. She does have legs for days. (laughs) Um, So that's kind of what I looked at initially, and then I started to, from there, look at the quickest land birds, and that brought me to things like roadrunners and and all that. And that's where I really started to develop the the race as a whole. And I started with something that you don't actually see very often in d which is evolution most of the races in, in D&D were created as they are mm-hmm. uh, and haven't really changed much over the years uh, aside from like regional differences in them so I wanted to create a race that started as something completely different and so I started writing that and they originally evolved from a migratory bird that i have the name of around here somewhere uh the the ray is what their ancestors are called and they are a bird that flew all over the world um didn't really have normal migratory patterns like real world birds do but they they traveled all over the place and that's how the hargraven ended up all over the world as well as these Vera slowly went from flying migratory birds to grounded, humanoid-esque, intelligent creatures. And the thing with the Hargraven is I wanted them to be very, very region-specific. So a Hargraven in the setting of our Saturday game, Withered Waste, may be very lithe and have red feathers very, very quick on their feet. But if you go... Like a thousand kilometers north, and, and look at the Hargrave. In there, you may see a, a species that is very plump and have like whitish blue feathers. They're very slow on their feet, that type of thing, because their ancestors, as they settled in these different parts of their world, they evolved into whatever was needed for that specific part of the world. See, you're
1: you're going off of I'm. I'm getting definitely those evolutionary vibes where if certain birds are located somewhere else their beaks even start to evolve yes. to adapt to the yep. environment and everything. So that's that's really cool. So we have a potential of seeing Callie's race in different looks and variants per se for yep. uh, where, where they live.
0: Yeah, and, and one of the most fun parts of creating that race is after I had developed Callie as a character, I wanted to really dive into more of the the biology side of that race and how it worked. So what I essentially did was I had an interview with myself. Uh, it, It was me interviewing Callie, asking about her race, and that helped me kind of get into the mindset of genuinely answering these questions. So you may even see the the biology of this Hargraven race change depending on the part of the world that they're in.
1: Very nice. Is this? Would you say this is your favorite race that you've created so far?
0: It's m- my favorite uh, creation of a race so far. I mean, gnolls are always going to be my number one. Always. Of course. Uh, but I have had a lot of fun creating the Hargraven.
1: Now, do they all have red hair or any kind of vibrant feathered hair or is that just that was just specific to Cali?
0: they do all have feathers instead of typical hair but depending on the type of Hargraven you might you may find some of them have like really thin long feathers much like an ostrich's feather or like a peacock's feather instead of that typical like corvid type feather that you'd expect to see or that uh, Cali even bears. Oh,
1: that's pretty. So all I'm hearing is ostrich. All
0: they I'm... aren't... Uh, I've, I've backed <laughs> myself into a corner here because I can't say they're not like ostriches because they may be <laughs> in some part of the world. Um, it's just fun I,
1: poking you about. I, it. <laughs> I can tell you
0: there is a evolution of Hargraven that bear a lot of resemblance to hummingbirds. I don't know if we'll ever come across them in any of our campaigns, but I have oh. created them and they're adorable.
1: I can see that. Yeah, that's uh, there's definitely been inspiration between uh, Rogan and you coming up with some of these these fun races that I have really nothing too much fleshed out as of yet, but uh, in Withered Waste as a backup character, there was a made up race that I would love to play and somehow make that a thing. Of course, I would have to, once I create it and kind of flesh it out, talk to Rose and see if it would work. But yeah, it's just, it's not something I've never really thought too much about. So it's it's definitely been fun hearing both of you talk about the inspirations and the development for it. And it's like, oh, I want to do that. Uh, And of course I know some of them have already been put in. I don't, it's been a while since I've checked it. So I don't know if they're all in there and Rogan said you were going to put in there at some point but in our discord we do have a channel that is called the armory which is all the home homebrew stuff if anyone wants to check it out that's everything from maps lore races classes it's got a little bit of everything anything that's that's kind of homebrew or fun Uh, i know some people in the past have put like fun suggestions for creatures people have made up Uh, I know they haven't been put in that channel, but that would be something we could kind of put in there as well, just find, like, made-up creatures and whatnot. Uh, So keep an eye out for that to check out uh, in our Discord. And if you're not part of our Discord, we definitely got our link in our page just below uh, on our Twitch channel. So definitely join us and kind of check all that stuff out.
0: You you can also find the the direct link to our Discord uh, at our website as well.
1: That's the one. Yeah. Now I was, almost went behold roleplay and I'm like, nope, that's nope,
0: not it. Nope. <laughs> I, I do I did buy that <laughs> one as well. It just redirects to the same thing.
1: Oh, okay. So it's a win-win either way.
2: <laughs> so I, I wish I it's like when I see uh HB Fox put up the stuff in the armory, it's got like the uh the layout of the like the, the actual D D pages and whatnot. Yes. It's like, what do you use for that? Is it like a Photoshop thing or?
0: Yeah, so so that's um, me doing everything the hard way because I, I don't know any other way. Um, I just create that all myself in Photoshop. Um, I wish I knew literally any programming language so I could just make like a web tool or something that can um, create these layouts for you, but... There actually is. I know nothing. Uh, well,
2: wait, uh, there's a tool? I,
0: there is. I, I uh, wish I could of. create one that was copyright free.
2: There oh, there
1: is. Um, I'll have to look up the website because for the life of me, I cannot remember it. And it's actually the same website Fox you put the null on, where you can either pay it for it or it's free, depending on how people want to post it. DMs,
0: DM's Guild.
2: Guild.
1: Thank you. DMs Guild. I have found there are a handful uh, of different layouts that you can put together. Of course, there is some creativity applied. For instance, a lot of the pictures that you put in, you'd have to create the fun, uh, like torn up border and everything uh, that you could do, of course, with brushes and whatnot. But as far as the layout, the page, the bars and dividers and all that stuff, you can actually get, and I can't remember if it's for free or like a dollar. It's stupid cheap. On DM's skills, And I've I've used it before because I was originally looking that up for the race that I'm thinking of doing as a backup in Withered Waste, but also thought it would be fun to do it uh, while I've been creating the one-piece one-shot that's eventually going to happen. And I did it that way and it was a lot of fun. So they have it for, uh, monster, for the bestiaries and the monsters. They have it for... If you want to do racism classes they even have the the boxes if you want to do the uh like little monster charts and stuff like that if you want Mm. to create encounters and stuff now now those
2: templates those templates are they are they for photoshop or what are they for
1: they are for photoshop but if i remember correctly they do have a separate layout for a different program For the life of me, I can't remember what it is because my focus was Photoshop, Uh, but they do have them for, I think, one other type of program because it's in a specific type of art. Although now that I think about it, now that I think about it, they do have it as uh, a image as well, uh, an image file. So if you want to just put that image in any art program, you can open it up as the image and just manipulate it and add to that as well on through layers and whatnot. So yes, you can get it as images now that I think about it.
2: That's good because I, I, I can't justify paying that much money for Photoshop when I barely use it.
0: Yeah, I, I use it all yeah. the time and I can't justify paying that much money for Photoshop. I think I'm still on the 20... 2015 version of Photoshop because I refuse to switch over to their stupid subscription service.
1: CS 5 or 6, I can't remember, but that was from like 2017-18. I don't know, it works and I'm just rolling with it because I use it every day, if not at least twice a week, so that's a lot. (laughs) A lot.
2: I never Um, grabbed it. I'm not an art person.
1: Well, and, and that's again, that's why... the best part too. It could be, I mean, everyone knows this. So I, I feel like I'm advertising for them, but I mean like photos or even creating races and classes and stuff like that. But again, you don't need it if you plan on using that, those images in a different program. I mean, GIMP,
0: GIMP's free. Yep. It's, Gimp, it's almost um, the same. Paint Tool, Clip Studio, they're all amazing programs.
1: Yeah, so it's, I I will try to find the links for you, Rogin, so I can send it to you. Uh, Again, I can't remember if they're free or if it was like, it was, if it's not free, I know it was stupid cheap. It was like a buck or something or a buck 99, something little. And you got a decent amount of them to work with. So
0: yeah. Uh, And if you are using that stuff to share, like in our discord, um, then you don't have to worry about uh, copyrighted images and, and fonts Mm -hmm. and stuff because you're sharing Mm -hmm. it in a free public space. You aren't yep. asking for anything in return, so you don't have to worry about that. The only reason I had to worry about it is because I was posting some stuff on DMs Guild, uh, yes. which requires certain licensing and stuff.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm very yeah. plain when it comes to writing down creation stuff. I don't add art or anything because...
1: And that's fine if you don't want to.
2: Yeah, I, I, I just feel weird using other people's artwork for my own creations and whatnot, so I just... Put the information out.
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's what I've been doing, and it'll eventually be like a full PDF and everything layout. Uh, again, I'm not gonna print it publicly. It's just more for anyone in in the channel wants to use when I finally complete the one piece one shot with the rework I'm doing. Because what I found, like, kind of works, but it's 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 weird the way everything is laid out. I'm like, that's super complicated. It should not be this complicated. I'm gonna rework it. Um, and I've, I mean, of course, I'm using screenshots and pictures from One Piece, but I'm not going to put it out for the public. So, kind of like what Fox said, if you're doing it a certain way, you have some hoops, I'm sure you have to jump through. But if you're just putting it on, like, Discord or whatever, it's like, yeah, just for funsies instead of profit, you know. But, uh, yeah, we're going to go ahead and take a brief break welcome back everyone so we have some questions they are uh, i do have a handful of questions from weirds actually for everyone but of course if we have any questions for each other now is the time uh, what we are going to ask first is of course the the questions that we received so Uh, We already answered a few of them, like some of our favorite homebrew races, the inspiration behind them, uh, the mystery behind Mr. Raccoon and whatnot. Uh, This one was already pretty much answered to, will there be a chance to create a custom class per campaign continent going forward in the future? Now, I didn't say specifically if we, like as players could do that, or if it was something more towards just the DMs. Uh, but let's just answer both of them if, if there's an opportunity for both players and DMs to create these races through future campaigns or current ones
2: I'm I'm all for uh, bringing in custom races even if it's from me or from somebody else uh, who's participating in it it's like if anybody wants to like play some sort of off the wall or out of you know not in any of like the books sort of race I am more than happy to work with them in flushing out the details as to, you know, what will be able to be brought in with said race, like the abilities and whatnot. That way you're not making a god.
1: Well, Uh, of course. Yeah, but (laughs) like
2: races, as I smash the hell on my microphone, races, I am more than happy to work with anybody uh, to flush out any details that they want, uh, that they want. That being said, there is a limitation as to how far that will go. Um, of course, races uh, or classes, on the other hand, is a completely different story because classes I like feel are
1: much more complicated and have to be very balanced.
2: Yeah, it's like if like you have a like a five e srd uh, race or not race but class that you want to play. I need to look at I I like I have a rule that I need to look at it first, and I have the ability to make any changes that I need to. Just so it balances out and it doesn't break the game.
1: Yeah, I feel like some of the classes that have already been made but aren't in the D and D world. For example, I know Pathfinder has a lot of archetypes that are very appealing, but not in D and D. I feel like that would be a little bit easier because then you can make adjustments as opposed to a brand new from scratch race. But this is just this is based off what I'm going off personally, but it's it's also, it's all about balance, because like you mentioned before, a lot of the stuff that we were allowed to do in the Raccoon one-shot was OP, but that's okay. It was a one-shot. Now, if we put that in a campaign, there's a whole can of worms that we just got to balance out because that would just be yep. crazy.
0: Yeah, so like for reference on the, the race versus class thing, um, Rojan has been very gracious and let me play custom races basically in the last several games and future games Uh, and I usually try to get that race information to him for review a couple of months before the campaign starts Um, for campaign 3 I'm going to be attempting a, a homebrew subclass and I gave him the PDF for that to review 15 months ago And I'm still making some toned-down changes to it as well. So I'm in the same boat as Rogan. Absolutely. Um, If you want to try a custom race in one of the games that I'm running, I'll work with you to to make it happen. I'm I'm all for it. Uh, If you want to do a custom subclass or custom class entirely, talk to me like a year and a half before the game starts.
1: (laughs) I mean, that's fair. (laughs) Yeah, with, uh, with things like Mass Effects, it's uh, is the one... Just not so terrible, but the one downside with Mass Effect is you really can't get too creative as far as races and classes. You can, to a certain extent, do races, because, I mean, it's aliens. We've seen the basics, but I'm sure there's many more out there we haven't seen, so let's have some fun with it. I plan on adding some very new, never-before-seen creatures that don't exist in the Mass Effect universe. They don't exist in any universe. They're just fun and made up, but they're they're specific races that technically aren't playable. But again, with something like Mass Effect, it's it's pretty limited. But uh, who knows with what I plan to do in the future as far as if I do another campaign and everything after this uh, to give some more creative freedom. Because I love having the freedom to do whatever you want instead of the limitations. Because I I want you to play what you want to play.
0: Yeah, I mean that's so, that's yeah. the fun of homebrew, right? Is Yeah. Well, homebrewing oh, yeah.
1: it. Yeah, I mean items and trinkets are way easier than races and classes cuz again, balance is <laughs> always key. Uh one of the other questions we have is, uh, we kind of sort of answered this a little bit. Are there any custom races specifically placed as NPCs in Destiny Forged or any other games going on?
2: specifically placed as NPCs as to, like, people can't play them?
1: Uh, it doesn't necessarily say that. Just more of, like, if you created a race to fit with what you had going on. For instance, um, like the shark people. It's like maybe you wanted a more unique aquatic race to be introduced, so you added them as special yeah. races into Destiny Forge, as an example. Um, I, I, I think it's what the question is asking.
2: Yeah, they were definitely added in as a... As sort of like a, a teaser to the race, you know there, it, the uh, the world that or the I, the area where campaign two takes place does have a lot of you know sea in it. So mm-hmm. the shark people just sort of made sense and kind of give people uh, a little tease as just in case they wanted to make a backup character or something as the sharks um or as specifically for campaign 2 like going back to Tortiga and the puffins that those were just created by the community and it's just a bunch of little puffin people running around on an island an island resort
1: so that's pretty cool now with with the the seer i know it was a custom class for no way out but was was the seer just a human or was that a particular race for the dolls to interact with to kind of help with the story.
0: So that uh, that NPC was actually a Hargraven, um, and that class was not something that I intended on ever actually making into a, a proper subclass. But I was quite fond of it after you guys had departed um, from that NPC. And I developed it into the the way of the seer monk, which uh, is in the armory, I believe, in our Discord channel. Um, so that the the NPC, the race of the NPC, was already an established one, and
1: mm-hmm.
0: the uh, abilities of the NPC ended up becoming uh, ended up becoming a homebrew class.
1: Oh, see, that's really cool. And again, it's in the armory. If anyone yep. wants to check that out.
0: Uh, there's actually one other NPC that you guys ended up not seeing in that campaign and there's no way you guys have enough time to interact with that that NPC Um, but it was the one that kept stealing your stuff Um,
1: what?
0: yeah Uh, that is one that I was intending to uh, use to introduce uh, another subclass which is a druid subclass and it is the Clockwork Druid subclass.
2: Well, now is that I, in? I know. I know Midgard? what my cl- no. Nope. I, I know what my class is for the next uh, Sonata. It is a, a completely
0: <laughs> oh, homebrew uh, subclass that I started developing when I began writing the the Null Way Out adventure. So, is that Druid? Nope.
1: <laughs> what? Well, since we're never gonna see it, <laughs> what? What is this, this
0: creature that keeps taking our stuff? Um It's just a normal dude. Well, okay, no, he's not normal. He's like certifiably insane. Um but he the, the druid the type of druid that he is, um is one that focuses on using metals. metal equipment and metal parts uh, and creating constructs using druidic magic. Um, the, the lore behind that NPC uh, was that he he was part of a druid circle that resided in Arcastus, but followed the typical rules of druids, n- no metal and stuff like that. Um, but he thought that was dumb and bad, especially in a place like Arcastus. So he ended up being kicked out of the druid circle for using metal and then he developed the clockwork druid subclass. He
1: made it his own and he went rogue. Yeah. I love it.
0: Uh, if you guys had found him, he would have offered to make a real nifty arm for a certain armless Noel in your party.
1: Oh, no. Well, you're technically getting an arm made right now.
0: Yep. Maybe. Yeah, I, I have that one it's constructed and ready to go for you. Um... I don't know how the Smith is ever gonna find you guys, but there's a chance.
1: It's like we're we're finally gonna get our equipment and it's like the last episode. <laughs> Never we use it. It'll be unfortunate. Oh god. Um again we kinda of dabbled on this, but what what is your favorite homebrew race that is either in or out of the whole role play?
2: So there is a race that I played like a long while ago, and it's something I like to bring in every now and then as some sort of like antagonist. Um, And you're not necessarily uh, a humanoid. You're a virus and you technically infect and then take over a host and you're pr- you pretty much assume that host's identity and you live in that body until it's either going to break down and die or it's taking too much damage, and then pretty much you have to transfer to a new host. So you could oh keep God. on, you could continue to live on forever because you necessarily yourself don't have hit points because you're just pretty much in another, in a shell moving around but the risk of death is always, like, a risk of, you know, quote-unquote death is always there because let's say you die out, you the body that you're in gets mortally wounded in the middle of nowhere and you have nothing to infect, thus you die. Oh, jeez. But geez. if you were, say, in a city and the shell that you are in got robbed in an alleyway, and is bleeding out. You could then infect the, uh, the rogue that just tried to steal uh, steal your shells uh, money. Did we what? interact
0: with one of these? In you've, you've,
2: you, you've interacted with all one or two of them. Yes. Thought so. Sounds. It, was it, that the?
1: That was the. Was it an illithid or something? That no. Wait. No, I think that was just an illithid. There. There. There with was. The
2: yeah. There was. There was one of these virus-like creatures in Kamiraska that had infected one of the, uh, I think it was infected one of the illithids. I think so, yeah.
1: Oh, I guess. Okay. It is kind of what I was thinking of, so, yeah. Okay. That's creepy and dangerous.
2: And, you know, there is a collective of them. I mean, technically, when they're not in the, um, When they're not infecting somebody there are like these small infectious pools that are out in the wild where this virus is in its natural habitat and it's able to sustain itself in this collective pool
0: yeah so let let that be a warning another warning to not just drink out of random pools that you come across yeah in the wild
2: funny enough that was one of them but uh, you were not fully infected So it did not take you over If it had taken you oh over god. you I w- If it took you over I would have made you play a completely different person You would no longer be Ash You'd no longer be Molly, whatever <gasps> You oh would god. be Ash <laughs> That's creepy Yeah but Oh my god It's something I like It's like I love the idea of a parasitic, uh, not even parasite, a parasite that lives by going from host to host and being able to maintain its lifespan, being able to maintain its knowledge is slowly but surely growing in power until the inevitable happens and they're unable to infect somebody.
1: Oh god, that's crazy. I think that did get too crazy and out of hand for uh, Destiny Forge. It felt <laughs> What about yeah. you, Fox? What's your favorite? Uh,
0: I think my answer is going to be a surprise to absolutely no one. Uh, Knolls. Uh, they're oh, they're my favorite. No. Um, every single one of them is my child, and I love them. Um, even the, the monster version of... Of gnolls, when I have to fight one in a campaign, it, it breaks my heart to have to kill them. Um, they're just a really, really interesting race to me, um, and uh, they've been around since the start of D and D, and they haven't really changed much. Uh, again, as far as the monster version of them goes, but there's so much there for players such as ourselves to play with and change and, and alter for our own uses um, I mean we've seen it happen e- even in other campaigns not on this channel uh, There, I believe there was a knoll a in Critical Role one of the, the followers of the, the Traveler Yes. Um, so other DMs and other players are doing stuff with them as well and I love to see it because they are a really really interesting species to me
1: yeah, you don't see them too often, but when you when they do pop up, it's nice seeing them—not the stereotypical like, oh, they're monsters, yeah, attack them, you know. So,
0: yeah, Shock and it's—it's
1: like
0: it, it's everything about the race—not not just the the gnolls themselves, but like uh, their creator, uh, Yuno, know, who, who technically mm. isn't actually their creator. He killed the one that created them and started to pose as their creator and. That gave him the ability to create them. And what an because they didn't have a written history. <laughs> none of them really knew that. So they just kept going like nothing happened. And, you know, he's sure, got sure. that lovely creature of his that he likes to ride around inside of uh, Crocot that you will see in um, Avernus, layer one of the mm-hmm. hills. Uh, oh, I God. believe the only creature. In all of D&D, save for gods and stuff, that is immune to the effects of the river sticks. So that alone is incredibly interesting to me. Okay. Uh, it's just everything about them. Uh, I love them, even their their most disgusting creatures, like like the crocatoic and the devils and stuff that are versions of gnolls that are really gross to look at. Love them.
1: God, I think, um, I don't really know a lot of homebrew races, which is unfortunate, Um, but I'd have to say one of my favorite races that I got to play a little bit uh, many, many years ago is actually a Pathfinder race, and at some point, actually, it would be really fun to roll that over into the D&D universe, and they're called Strix, and they are basically they remind me of drow. They're usually very dark skinned. They're, they're usually like black or dark browns with wings and their attitude is, is almost druidic because they're very peaceful amongst each other and they're in tune with nature, but they hate everyone else. (laughs) Um, Violence is not even in their vocabulary amongst themselves. It's always like committed by outsiders and stuff like that. It's just like, they're very interesting race. And I remember I played a character that was one, and she had a giant dire bat that she had as her companion. I honestly couldn't tell you what class she was. I could not remember. I just remember she was a druid. She was a druid. Um, And she wielded a sight. And it was hilarious because anytime I tried to do a spell, did nothing. Like, I was shit. But I somehow almost always critted with my friggin' sight. So I was just like, what the hell is this shit? I'm not even a druid. I'm just fighting with a scythe. Um, so that was fun. I, I think it'd be really fun to, to eventually play that and roll it over. And sometimes their looks uh, kind of remind me a little bit of your Valkyrie race where their wings don't have to be at their shoulder blades. It can actually be a little further down. Uh, but if I remember correctly, they, they actually can not fly with them still. But they don't have to be positioned right there which is really cool, so that'd be fun to play
2: I would, it I would totally, I would totally be down to work with you to bring it over.
1: Oh, people would mistake them as Dark Valkyrie and we're like, no, we're not associated with those assholes. <laughs> Ooh, ouch.
2: they <laughs> are not the, the, pious. <laughs> they're the hot topic kids.
1: There we go. <laughs> <laughs> they're like the... This is probably the wrong way to say it, but they're like the drow of... <laughs> the Valkyrie we're just like we're over here we're nice to each other but don't touch us don't talk to us we won't be nice to you <laughs> It'd be really fun um, so that is actually all of our questions that were asked so we have about 10 minutes left if we have any questions we want to ask each other about certain characters and whatnot uh, whether it's uh, this campaign of Destiny Forged or any other campaign that we did. I actually do have a question. I, I think you answered it before, but it's been a while, so I can't remember. To HB Fox. Your Cobalt blue. Was there a reason why you wanted her to be strictly support, like zero offensive spells whatsoever?
0: Kind of. Um, I've always wanted to explore playing a pacifist character, but I've tried it before in a campaign. Um, what, what was the uh, Waterdeep, our Waterdeep campaign, when I played Krite? Mm-hmm. The um, whatever he was.
1: Oh, he was a Air Croca yes.
0: necromancer? Um, he, was. he was a, a cleric. I don't remember Cleric of the Grave I think Um, Yeah And he was was kind of pacifist But you Can't really At least not in my experience You can't really play A long term campaign Without hitting anyone It's just It's (laughs) too much of a detriment To the rest of your party and you don't want to lean so heavily into one of those aspects that you'd start to make it less fun for other people at the table. So a one-shot like the Christmas one was the, the perfect opportunity to explore playing a role of someone that is more than happy to help everyone on the battlefield, but refuses to actually intentionally do damage to anyone. And that's what Blue ended up becoming was uh, that little experiment.
1: And I mean, when you have six, seven other players, I mean, it's like you're 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 pretty good in that aspect of like, eh, they probably won't.
0: Yeah, I mean, if it was like three of us at the table as players, well, okay, maybe she wouldn't be a pacifist. But we had more than enough people (laughs) at the table to probably handle the fights, maybe without me getting involved, really. Yeah.
1: Exactly. <laughs> Rojan, I have one for you, too. Right. Uh, f- funny enough, also from a one-shot, uh, the Sonata series that we've been doing once a year. Uh, with Forge, he has been so determined to find... I actually don't even know if he wants to find anyone else, just specifically Snowdrop. Is there a reason why he's so like determined to to find them and, and uh,
2: reunite Snow, them? <laughs> Snowdrop's his best friend. That's, Aww. Snowdrop was technically his first actual friend that didn't just treat him like a machine that was just there to open doors and stand in the way of uh, arrows. You no, know, she actually... <gasps> she never. She, tr- she treated him like anybody else and <clears throat> actually started showing him, you know, emotion. And so when she disappeared, you know, in his little robot heart, he's a little bit sad that she's not there.
1: Oh. Well, I don't know what the fuck H. B. Fox is doing with her, but...
0: So, follow up to, see what to that. Uh, assuming <laughs> Snowdrop is alive, I know she is a difficult character to play at times. Um, would you ever see yourself, Zoro, returning to that character? If she's alive. I think
1: so. Um, I'm not gonna lie; she was so over the top from my norm, and that kind of energy can be exhausting for like a long-term campaign. So I don't think I would ever play her in that kind of aspect. Um, I would annoy myself. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I, I think I would definitely bring her back. I know I keep joking saying that I want to make one elaborate for each one. Uh but there's no guarantee that you are making four. I mean the third one could be the last one, or maybe you end up making a mini campaign or something. It's it's really hard to say. So but I actually did despite her being annoying, I actually really did like playing her because she was just so positive in such a dark environment. Um despite Durdrin trying to murder
0: her. So Would she Yeah. Um yeah. I, I know we're we're getting short on time here, but um I know one of the goals of Snowdrop was to find a cure for what was ailing her people and then return to the Feywild with that cure. Yes. If she found that cure, again, assuming she's even still alive, but if she found that cure and if she reunited with Forge, what would Forge do? Would he go with her back to the Feywild or would he stay and continue trying to fight off this ominous shadow thing that is overtaking the continent.
2: I think it would all depend on if Snowdrop wanted him to go. Because, oh, yeah. like, if Snow <laughs> Snowdrop said, hey, you should come with me, he would just say, okay, and just go.
0: Yeah. So I, that, I yeah. couldn't picture her <laughs> saying, no, you stay behind.
2: Yeah. Now, no, it's
1: not in her vocabulary. <laughs> I do
2: have... I do have another character that I really, really want to play. You remember? Oh, uh, no, not Turtle Dad. The next time I bring Turtle Dad in, is going to be an actual campaign and not That's a one right. shot. That's right. But you remember the moth people back from... Yes. I want to make yep. one of them, but it's going to be based off a rosy maple moth.
0: Ooh, nice. Which Those are the, is the bright, vibrant the, ones, right? The
2: bright, vibrant yellow and pink ones, but they're also like one of the smallest uh, species of moth. So it's like, I was thinking it'd be like two and a half, three feet tall. I was going
1: to say, would you be a size small when they're normally medium size? But they
2: would just be this just rage-fueled maniac, just full-on barbarian going into battle. <laughs> I would I mean, love you to could, see that as a character.
1: You could potentially make that work if because I mean, it, it ended with Forge still, uh, I mean, finding that information about what's happening with Snowdrop. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh man. So he could potentially go off and, with that new information, going, yeah. okay, there's some urgency to go off and do that. I ain't got no time for yeah. some guy we thought we killed. His
2: whole focus is Snowdrop. He honestly doesn't care what else is happening. His primary directive is find Snowdrop and anything else that coincides with that yeah he'll take care of it but it's not like he's gonna go out of his way off of the his his one main goal to find his friend mm-hmm.
0: yeah I think that um is gonna be something that you all as the players of sonata will have to decide on because i've I'm having two stories written right or I'm writing two stories right now for sonata three one of them is the quest for snowdrop And the other one is continuing on with this battle against the Shadow. So it'll be up to you guys to decide which of those you want to do for Sonata 3. Because they both Mm -hmm. will be happening simultaneously.
1: Yeah. So with that being said, at least for... Because again, I don't know how many more of these Sonatas we're going to do. But at least the next one, I feel like at least one more. Not returning Snowdrop because of what's happening to her. So I would probably go ahead with my plan on playing. Probably a new elaborate because I have a problem. <laughs> um, although I loved my Autumn one, and he... And and no one really asked him. Of course, it's a one-shot, you don't have a lot of downtime to super RP, but, uh, like, no one really asked him about his voice, because he had his... Uh, uh, God, I forgot what it's called. He, he had his throat torn out, and he can't talk. Uh, but a wizard, who was also an artificer, created, uh, again, I can't remember what the term's called, but it's it's an actual box, and it's, it's a real-life box in the real world that helps you talk through it. Uh, and it goes off the vibrations of the throat, and that's how he was able to communicate with everybody. But he, if he took that off, he would have no way to communicate with you guys except through, like, the message spell or something. Uh, so, yeah, so he was kind of a really interesting character to play with, but... Yeah, I feel like with what's going on with Snowdrop, and again, I have no idea what's going on with Snowdrop other than poor thing is being tortured, Uh <laughs> that uh, probably the next one, play a different character, which again, gives you the opportunity to try out the Moth Race. So I think that'd be very interesting to see you play this, this Moth Race.
0: Yeah, I'd love to see that uh, as a, a player character in a game.
1: I'd have fun drawing it too. It would be like super fuzzy and vibrant. It would be would be so fun (laughs) well we'll see how that plays out (laughs) but that is unfortunately all the time we have for right now uh thanks everyone for tuning in we don't know what the next topic is going to be just yet uh as always we try to have a little discussion and give you a heads up ahead of time we which will also determine potentially who our next guest is so thank you guys for hanging out Feel free to watch this VOD on beholdrp.com, our, our YouTube, and just check out our Twitter and Discord for any future announcements announcements we have. Otherwise, keep an eye out for all of our other shows. Monday we have No Way Out, our mini null adventure, where all the pups are haven't been in the desert for a while. I don't know how the hell we're getting back, but we're we're getting there. We're working on it. <laughs> that is being DM'd by the wonderful HB Fox. Then we have our Tuesday campaign, Destiny Forge, where we finally defeated the Lich. <laughs> uh, thanks to the lovely uh, Rojan Quest DMing us through that trauma. So we'll see how we do with our beach day. And uh, he is also DMing our alternate Saturday game, Withered Waste, which is kind of an Apocalypse uh campaign in the Desert and Waste. Then our alternate Saturday, we have our uh, Wayward Wanderers campaign going on, which is the Extinction Curse Pathfinder Circus-themed campaign being DM'd by Azrin, and they just light everything on fire, so I feel like that's their goal, just beat things up, find trauma, and just burn it. It's, I mean, I'm loving the theme so far, so <laughs> we'll see what happens. Uh, otherwise, we will be back here uh, the first Saturday of next month and again don't know what the topic is yet but just keep an eye out otherwise we will see you guys during the week during one of our lovely shows until then we'll see you guys later